It's your Doc Master, Michael Ottolano, and you are listening to The Starboard. The guest for this episode is Lydia Salit Dudley, who has a new single titled There's a Winner in You. Here to tell us the background story and to talk her new single, There's a Winner in You. Welcome aboard, Lydia Salit Dudley. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about your brand new single release. There's a winner in you. What's the background behind this song? (laughs) Well, I actually have a really great story. So during COVID, basically, I worked for a CPA firm. You know, I've studied music and everything. So during COVID, we could not come back to the office. But I have a friend who is a principal, who was a principal. She's retired now at a psychiatric center for teenagers. And so they lived there on the campus. They had school um, and they received all their treatment. It was sort of like a one-stop shop for any homeless, um, came to drugs or it came to any type of uh, trauma that the young people were experiencing from age 12 to 18. And I found out that they had no music at the school. So I went through all the process to become a substitute teacher And she told me I can bring a music program in. And so what I did was I went in and I showed the kids inspirational documentary of other young people who had overcome great odds in life and talked about people also like Steph Curry and different athletes. And then I had them write their own story and then I would bring them beats in and tracks. They could select a track to do their music and I would coach them. And then I would bring recording equipment to record them. And then at the end of the program, we did listening parties. And so my goal was just to inspire a couple of the kids and to really uh, affirm them through music. And so everything they wrote or whatever music they came up or composed, it had to be positive. That was my biggest thing and how to be a game changer. And so from that experience, I begin to think about the young people that I worked with. And I'm like, I know it's hard. The road is hard, but there's a winner in you, you know, and you're going to overcome, you know, all of these pitfalls that you're dealing with. So that's kind of the backstory to my composition. amazing backstory and the reason why i say that is because i know how difficult it can be to insert something like music or anything like that into a program where maybe an area might not be as receptive to the idea as possible Mm -hmm. as like it is in other areas that have had it before yes and so i know also that music's been taken away out of a lot of communities especially those where there are affliction and the specific needs of the community that you probably walked into you. Yes, exactly. And those teenagers, they were from the richest kid to the poorest. It was no separation. They were all dealing with similar issues that put them in that place. And I often feel like when I'm recording a song or, you know, I'm kind of intentional about the words that I say and the theme that I'm going for, I feel like 
when I'm in a booth singing, I'm singing to the world. And so what is it that I want to say? And so, you know, most of those kids I'll never see again. So I just, you know, really wanted to articulate what I thought of the, the kids that I worked with. First thing I noticed about your song, There's a Winner in You, is the tempo changes. So it starts off in a slower tempo. It's almost like you're reading a book. And then it swings into a whole different, like, a groove. It does. So on my extended version, it picks up later. But I figured to do a radio, you know, if you want people to listen to your music and you're not quite sure, you're brand new out there. I was like, I better start this groove a little bit earlier. So my producer helped me just move that groove up because I didn't want to lose the listener. But I actually did an extended version and I also did a video to that extended version. And so it's kind of like two versions out there. Now that you mentioned the backstory behind There's a Winner in You, it makes sense of why you recorded Superstar. is not an original tune. It's actually an R&B tune that was written back in 1973 or so. I cannot call the artist off the top of my head, but Luther Vandross made that song popular and I just sang my own arrangement. But that song is kind of about a groupie following a rock star and having this fantasy that they could be in a relationship with this person. So it's all about interpretation. When I sing or arrange a song, I may have just a different connotation when I'm expressing those lyrics. But yeah, originally it was about a groupie and a rock star. I believe Superstar was written by the Carpenters. You're exactly right. But your take on it is completely different than their version and Luther's version, in my opinion. <laughs> I've written a couple of tunes and this always relational. I don't know. I just think about relationships that are very important, relationships that we need and relationships, especially that we need to survive and thrive. And so for me, you know, music is just an expression. Everybody that does any type of artistic or writing, they have a life theme that portrays through whatever they're doing. And so for me, you know, that's my life theme. Just enjoying your life, enjoying relationships, not missing out on valuable opportunities to make you a better person. It seems like also with where you're at with your music, is I could just hear it in your speech and, and what you're saying that you're at the point where you're helping influence others through your art. I am. And it's probably because that's how I started out. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. 
My mother, she was the musician for our Baptist church that we went to. And, you know, we had to be in a choir. We had to practice with her and my dad on Saturday night to make sure the hymns were done correctly and the tempo was right. And my parents both, as a matter of fact, my whole family, we really enjoy working with young people. My mother was a tutor in the Cleveland school system. And my dad, when he retired from his job, he also became a tutor in a uh, public school system. And my brothers, they all work with young people. So it's kind of a family calling, I guess you could say. And so no matter what any of us are doing, that's kind of the heartbeat. I'm a little older now. I'm almost, I'll be 55 in a couple of months. And I just see the importance of young people having stability. And I just, I want to be that example. And so it may not be mainstream, but the message, it transcends whatever may come and go. And so that's the goal. You listen to some songs that are just timeless. The message never changed, no matter what the culture does, no matter what age, what era, you're young, old, the message is critical. And so those type of lyrics are very much in my music. Let's talk about your beginnings as a musician. Okay, so my mom, she taught me and my brothers some basic piano lessons. Again, born in Cleveland, Ohio. And during the 60s, they had these race riots. They call them the Huff Riots. And as a result, the neighborhood was devastated. And so the government came in and said, we're going to offer this music program and it only costs a dollar per student. So my mother, she decided in 1968 to uh, take up piano lessons. And that's when I was conceived. So we grew up watching her study classical music and just it was in the house. And then, you know, she played the hymns and everything. So I started taking lessons and pretty much by eighth grade, I like basketball better than I like piano lessons. <laughs> so I would always tinker on a piano, but never really committed to it until I got out of college. I went to school for accounting. And then when I got out of college, her teacher was still teaching. And I went to him and I said, uh, do you think it's too late for me to be a performer? And he was a classical teacher, of course. And he told me, he said, yeah, he said, I really think you waited too late. You should have did it. And so I took his word as that was the final thing. The question didn't come to me again until 10 years later. So at the age of 35, I'm living in North Carolina. And I just feel this strong urge to study jazz. I wasn't even a jazz listener. Somebody turned me on to a mentor, Eddie Palantonio. I said, I want to learn jazz and find out what it's about. He said, I'm the guy you're looking for, but you got to commit to me for five years if you want me to teach you. So I was like, I don't know if I can do that. But long story short, I wound up committing to him, took one class a semester, worked full time, and I ended up getting a master's degree in jazz composition. And so what my goal was initially was to be a studio musician but I just kept hitting a wall. Like I couldn't break through in my playing to that freedom that I, everything just was always sounding technical or a struggle. And a friend of mine that knew me from church, she said, why don't you sing? I said, well, I, I'm not a jazz singer and I don't think, you know, blah, blah, blah. She said, from when I've heard you sing, it seems like your playing and your voice goes together. So maybe you should just try it. And I said, okay. And when I tried it, it just worked. 
And so that's how I ended up singing jazz music. It seems like it's the theme right now with the story that you mentioned about finding your way to jazz. Everything changed with COVID. Also breaking through to an industry that those jobs were disappearing, the music jobs. And no matter how good of a musician you are or were, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. unless you happen to strike Eureka Gold somewhere, the industry drastically changed, including yes. radio, including including anything in entertainment, kind of mm-hmm. how I wound up here myself with okay. jazz. And your story almost parallels mine, where something got me into jazz, and that was just a certain crossroads. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to hear your story, because it's a parallel almost to what I can relate with. I'm finding now, and you're right, and I mean, when COVID, man, just before COVID, <clears throat> my opportunities were really picking up. One opportunity that I had just before COVID, but it didn't pan out, was Nina Simone's high school was doing a class reunion and they wanted me to present her music for the class. Boy, COVID took away that opportunity. But what I'm finding now is that even though it was COVID, everything was shut down, but this particular psychiatric center was not shut down because the kids lived there and they were real strict on testing. So you have to, by faith, Continue that calling until the opportunities find you. You got to be true to what you really believe that you have something to contribute to society. And then I think one of the greatest things is I was mentored by a person who was selfless. He made a great impact on my life. I've been mentored by many people, even in the accounting field. And so I just feel like it's my turn to give back. So if no one ever hears my music, but boy, I can empower some kids to keep your head up and keep pushing. That's a sense of fulfillment that I can get that maybe standing in front of an audience of 10 million people, you know, that's a different type of fulfillment. But to really make someone's life better and to contribute to society is just the ultimate right now, especially with all the instability that came out of the COVID situation. And I mean, I was working with kids who could hardly read, could hardly write. So it put everybody on the same playing field. And I think that was the beauty of it. Hearing your stories are actually inspiring me and rethinking of my approach towards things. I actually come from one of those backgrounds of not having a stable home. Uh, mm-hmm. I lost my mom when I was four years old. Wow. And I was raised with my grandparents, but I was also a ward of the court to foster care. So Mm. it rings Mm. a bell to me. And honestly, through the years growing up and searching for my destination with music and all that stuff, I didn't really have a mentor. I had a lot of people that would tell me, hey, you know, go for your dreams. There comes a time as an individual, you have to make your own roadmap. That's what trailblazing is about. That's right. We studied Steph Curry. And I am always interested in anybody that they call a game changer. I want to understand why they are a game changer. And so one of the first assignments for the kids was we were to study some footage and documentary of Steph Curry and look at his before, like why he wasn't accepted by certain colleges. They thought he was too small. You know, the struggle that he went through in his world And we discuss it. And then we talk about how can we be game changers in our world where we are? What would it take? You know, and so those are some of the discussions that we really have. And just music is just a wonderful tool 
to bridge the gap, keep the discussion interesting, serious, but not too overwhelming. And the thing about it too, working at that facility, most of those kids were homeless or either they were in the foster system, but they were teenagers. So it was just like they were a little bit too old. People were kind of hesitant about taking them in. And the other challenge was every week a kid could be shipped somewhere else. So I just had to be quick on my feet to understand what the need was. And you can't reach them all because some people had outbursts. It kind of was an unpredictable thing. And then I had mental health specialists sitting in the classroom. And some of them were angry because they could not read or, you know, their expression came out as anger. But once you found something that they were interested in, you found out that they were open to learn. And then, you know, the anger would die down. It's so many layers. I haven't studied music therapy or anything like that, but just from being around kids for a long time, you have to pay attention to your surroundings. If you're a musician, and even if you're a performer, pay attention to the room. Okay. They're not responding to this do something that they'll respond and then insert that positive message, you know? So we got enough inserting negative messages. The reason I love jazz is because of the history of a people who found a way to communicate their heartache to the world. And I just think that history is so incredible that it should be shared. I think I'm in it more sometimes for the history of it and the story behind it. And the music is just the icing on the cake. As you're speaking, I feel like you're actually putting into words things that I haven't really realized until now. Actually, the music that opened my eyes when I was the ward of the court was jazz music. There was a okay. station called hmm. 94.7 The Wave. They had switched from, it was either rock and roll, and they switched okay. to jazz. And at that time, there was a resurgence in smooth jazz music, 1991. Okay. And now that station has already switched formats again. But when mm. you're saying a lot of these stories about the kids in their teenage years, it's really unfortunate that they're at that age where people don't want to work with them anymore. And I'm talking foster yes. parents and group homes because they're still at a very vulnerable age. And they're at that age where their hormones are changing. They have a lot of things that they don't have anybody guiding them. Very important mm -hmm. things such as sexuality, anger, frustration. Mm -hmm. And so for someone like you to come in and just give them a glimpse of hope, is really yes. more than a blessing. It, I really commend you for doing that. Thank you so much. I'm looking to find a way to do it full time. And um, I still got to work my accounting job to pay these bills. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yep. I'm just not going to stress out. We just, just going to take it one thing at a time. I'm working on another project. Hopefully we'll be finished within like three or four months. I got a, a huge grant from the Chamber Music America out of New York. And they were awarding female jazz band leaders. And, you know, I'd always felt this insecurity, like I wasn't good enough and I don't play as well. But the key thing that I'm finding out the older I get is it's okay to feel all those things, but just keep going. <laughs> like, keep, keep writing music, keep playing, and you will see yourself grow. And so I threw my name in the hat with that grant. And you have to submit your music and some improvisational pieces, segments of the music. And the feedback that I got, I was amazed because when I look at jazz singers, I'm like, I can't say I quote unquote see myself as this big jazz singer. But what the grant reviewer, one of the reviewers told me was 
they were like, we just couldn't figure out exactly who you sounded like. And so that was a big part of our decisions. They selected like 14 females. These women are killing it from, I think I might've been the oldest in the group. I got to select a mentor and I selected Miss Carmen Lundy. And because of COVID, we did like six Zoom sessions with her where she just critiqued our music and our performance and you know, are working together. And it just was a experience that you really can't put a dollar amount on it. So pretty much I've done the bulk of the work. Now I'm going back and putting another layer on some things and getting help with different arrangements. And it's a variety because different people in the band wrote on this project. So it's not just me giving out that same sound. It's like I got to collaborate. So that's what makes it great. Carmen Lundy, yeah, her story is very similar to yours. Your story is so inspiring to me. Every time you're saying a phrase about what's going on, things are rolodexing as you're speaking. And yes. the main thing is, is being a female vocalist, it's always frowned upon in a male-dominated world. And yeah. I feel like the face of jazz right now presently is changing. There's a lot of female performers coming out. Uh, Candy Dolfer has been around for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesse J. Mm -hmm. uh, there's different artists that are emerging right now and that are really coming into fruition and i believe that you're one of them thank you so much that is a huge compliment it's huge who are your influences they, well i'm gonna be really really honest my mother was my first influence and then i have an oldest brother who is just incredible he's more of a gospel singer and then my mentors Man, my teacher, Eddie Palantonio, I mean, people say, wow, Lydia, you know, your chords sound like him. You know, the way you hit the keys, you sound like Eddie. Dr. Steven Anderson out of UNC Chapel Hill. Dr. Lenora Helm, who is an educator, jazz instructor at North Carolina Central University. I started the journey late. And... I really had no expectations. Once I heard the history, I started a nonprofit and went to volunteer at a safe house, just telling the kids about the history of jazz. And I would tell them how Louis Armstrong's mom was a prostitute when he was in a detention center and, and he learned how to play the trumpet and everything. And just able to see how those stories haven't changed. You know, we still have those same situations. And I should be, I'm not a huge music listener. And I mean, I just fell in love with Carmen Lundy because I can feel and understand her music. Sometimes I'm more motivated by the message and then the music comes out, you know? Sometimes I do things a little bit backwards. But to me, I think that's kind of what makes you come up with your unique sound. Yeah, I could definitely tell you're influenced by basketball as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's other basketball players aside from Steph Curry that influenced you as well. Well, I'm going to tell you a, a football story. Um, <laughs> uh, my last year of college, Sam Retigliano, who used to coach the Cleveland Browns, came to our university. He was from my hometown, and I needed money to finish school, and I didn't know how I was going to do it, so I was just going to join the military in 1990. But I said, let me, you know, I'm going to talk to him first. And when I talked to him, he said, don't join the military. He said, I don't have any scholarship money, but we'll see what happens. Well, long story short, by the end of the summer, he called me. He said, I have money for equipment manager for the football team. And so I got that scholarship. And basically, more and more money came in from that scholarship. And that was how 
I was able to complete college. And at that time, I sang in the gospel choir there, but that was pretty much it. And the man who was my boss, he was a bus driver. And he was the one that told me that I really think you should try to become a musician for the choir. And so that's kind of how my journey started of trying to play in public (laughs) with other people, with other singers. So that football coach really gave me a boost. And I'll never forget that. Wow. I mean, your story is one like I've never heard before. It's, it's, it's so cool because I feel like you were someone that I would have met somehow, some way. And it's very influential, especially because it's either sports, music, yeah. or nothing in there a lot you go. of cities. There you go. Yep, that's me. And more people are involved in sports than music. Yeah. Music is frowned upon in cities where sports was dominated, especially in the 80s. I'm not even sure what the kids are really into now. They're into their TikTok and stuff. You know, now. the video, the video games have so taken over, and I'm not as tech savvy as I would like to be. Last year I took a, a Photoshop class to try to learn how to do characters and things like that because I was like, I gotta be able to relate to these kids. <clears throat> but it was consuming every bit of my time and it just had no time for music. It's the tech world. I mean, and it can suck you in. You wind up not having a lot of substance because all of your strength and energy is being poured into video games or social media, which is a false pretense or a false setup. You know, that's why I try to do the music and, you know, the program that I did with the kids at the psychiatric center, the name of the program was Let Your Voice Be Heard because they are always told to be quiet, follow directions. And I just want to create that space that they can get to know themselves. I remember going to a retreat one time and the person there told us to write a letter to our older self. And... I had never done that before. And I I just began to write, you know, I'm really proud of you. You weren't perfect, but you hung in there. And then we turned the letters in to the facilitator. Then maybe six months later, they mailed us a letter. And the words touched me, even though they were from me. You know, that shows you how the mind works. You know, you just lay your eyes on those positive words. And it just creates some chemical action in your brain that's good. As musicians, we have so much to offer and we should take our calling serious. You know, you got to do a lot of soul searching. You're not going to be perfect. But when you set out to really empower someone else for the good, you can't lose. You just can't lose. So what's the next step with your song? Are you working on a full album? I am. I'm working on a full album. I think we got about eight songs. So what I'm trying to do is just find ways to let people know that my music is out here. As a musician, a lot of times you're on a musician's budget, so you have to do a lot of the groundwork and legwork yourself. Down here in North Carolina, Raleigh-Durham, there's a nice jazz community of young people And so my goal is to do the legwork on how to get your music out there, get your voice heard. And then I want to be able to set a trail for them to follow. You know, look, this is how you go about this. Finishing the project is a huge task. We're probably going to get a video made for one of the songs. And then I'm going to work on the promotions. Where can we find your music currently? Currently, I'm on all digital platforms. My website will lead you there. You could just put in carolinajazzgirl.com. 
and my website will come up and all the links to iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, they're all there. Or you could put in Lydia Dudley Jazz. It'll come up that way too. Well, Lydia, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I really enjoy talking music and hearing your background story. Can everyone yes. check out Lydia Dudley? That's Lydia Salat Dudley as well, if you want to check her out on Facebook. Yes. And look her up. There's links to her music, and you can find her on all the streaming platforms. You've been listening to The Starboard with special guest Lydia Salat Dudley. I'm your doc master, Michael Ocelano. Thank you for listening. To find out more about The Starboard podcast, look me up on Facebook. That's Doc Master Mike on Facebook. And there you can find links to our guest and to our past podcast episodes.